Like, uh, keep off the borderlands. Where are you? Make yourself comfortable. It's Keep Off the Borderlands. I'm Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and uh, welcome to Season 4. Yeah, that's right, Season 4. Snuck up on me too. I just want to talk a bit about things going forward. Uh, things are going to change around here, primarily because in about a month's time, we'll be welcoming a new addition to the family. My wife is having a baby, which almost certainly will throw me off my game, quite literally. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to impact on play. I know I've told a few of you, I mentioned it some while back. Actually, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast at all, to be honest. But, um, yeah, that's happening. And... That might have some impact on my availability to play. Uh, But by the same token, it may spur me on to running things myself, which will obviously allow for more flexibility with regard to my availability. So that could be interesting. But first up, I've got a handful of calls that I would like to respond to. So... Let's get loco with some Barney Dickery. Hey Spencer, it's uh, it's me. Uh, you didn't call. Uh, I, I asked my agent. I said to him, I said, "Has has has the Osseus project doing?" He said, I heard nothing, I heard nothing. I said, what does he want me to do? Does he want me to embarrass myself? Does he want me to stick, stick tissues in my cheeks so I look like I get some kind of uh, facial deformities just to get the part? Just to get the part? Play the game? You know? So I thought... Before I go that far, I, I'm just going to call you up. I got your number. So uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm just calling you up to say I'm, I've, been, I've been practicing. We're getting ready for the Aussius game uh, with, uh, with Colin. Uh, you know, it's, this... Uh, that that uh, 
that that whole dystopian thing with the uh, stairs that go up and go down, like in those pictures where the staircases go all around. Uh, you know, I'm visualizing this uh, uh, every, every day for a long time. Let me know, let me know. Let me know, you know? Yeah? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you know what I heard? A little bird told me that uh, you, uh, you had, you had, uh, you you got you got uh, philosophical philosophical aspirations, uh, and you uh, you become a become a Scientologist. Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 probably good. That's probably good when you wander off into the uh, into the long grass, into the weeds. Now and again, you can always. Always turn on the uh, turn to uh, Scientology, yeah. It's always you yeah, got friends. Always got friends there. People say to me all the time. They say, uh, you know, Osseus, It's neither here nor there. It's just another trifold f- freebie." And I say to them, I say, hey, you listen to me, you punk. You're talking about Osseus. You're talking about the potential for other worlds. We're talking about freedom of the mind. Uh, and in particular, we're talking about a dystopian world with circular staircases with Colin. I say to them, you better, you better just keep your mouth shut, turn around, f- out of here, and not say those kind of things, you know, talking about Osseus. That was uh, Brandon Marlowe there, and uh, thank you, thank you very much for reaching out, and um, I really, really appreciate that, and you know, you could be in for a shot. Because I went back and uh, took another look at Osseus. And um, there were a few things in there that required a little more attention. And I will be speaking about that later on in the episode. But um, thank you very much for that, Barney of Loco Ludus there. Next up, a little treat. A reading from Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast he sent me a series of messages concerning the issue of alignment. So I'm just going to hand over the reins of the show to Jason. Let's see where we end up. Hey, Spencer, Jason here. So alignment, I, you know, I'm trying to remember where I got that idea of neutral and true neutral being you have to flip sides or you don't have to flip sides but you, you know that kind of idea where you're really trying to balance and keep everything in balance and and it beats the heck out of me so I, but i went back and looked at the old books and, and i'm gonna read you I'm, I'm sure you have these but I'll, I'll read you the definitions from you know my formative definitions of these things so here follow a couple recordings of those 
Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st Edition Player's Handbook. True Neutral. The True Neutral looks upon all their alignments as facets of the system of things. Thus, each aspect, good and evil, chaos and law, of things that must be retained in balance to maintain the status quo. For things as they are cannot be improved upon except temporarily, and even then, but superficially. Nature will prevail and keep things as they were meant to be, provided the wheel surrounding the hub of nature does not become unbalanced due to the work of unnatural forces, such as human and other intelligent creatures interfering with what is meant to be. Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st Edition Dungeons Master's Guide Neutrality. Absolute or true neutral creatures view everything which exists as an integral and necessary part or function of the entire cosmos. Each thing exists as part of the whole, one as a check or balance to the other, with life necessary for death, happiness for suffering, good for evil, order for chaos, and vice versa. Nothing must ever become predominant or out of balance. Within this naturalistic ethos, humankind serves a role also, just as all other creatures do. They may be more or less important, but the neutral does not concern himself or herself with these considerations, except where it is positively determined that the balance is threatened. Absolute neutrality is in the central or fulcrum position, quite logically, as the neutral sees all other alignments as parts of the necessary whole. This alignment is the narrowest in scope. So my pre-teenage mind, well, I, I don't know, pre-teen, yeah, I was a pre-teen when I read that. Anyway, my pre, I don't know if I was, anyway, my young mind accepted that and processed that as whatever I told you before, the idea that things get out of balance, you need to switch sides kind of thing, or, or go with whatever sides being is vastly unbalanced, right? So I don't know. I, <laughs> I you know, it, it seems more here in the reading them now as an adult, it does make sense for a druid to be those alignments because at that point where civilization gets out of line or forest is, you know, deforestation, cutting down trees gets out of line or stuff like that, then the character would be forced to intervene. Um, so I don't know, but you know, I don't know if it means you would intervene with civilization against nature, at least reading those. I don't think you would. Reading those out loud also remind me of the, the, the joys of high Gygaxian writing. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I, I don't have my, my son's got my copy of um, Mensur Basic, the Red Box, so I, I don't have that to read. But I, I don't think that influenced me nearly as much as, as the Advanced Sun Dragons first edition did in, in my thoughts. I think the, the things that influenced me on alignment the most were that, and then of course Palladium's version. Um, I, I think Palladium system, you know, because I had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness pretty early and, and then into other Palladium games. So I think that alignment system also affected me quite a bit. I don't know if I have any of those handy to reference. If I can find one. Oh, you know what I've got? now? Recon's a little bit different, I think. I'll see if I can find one of those books. If I can find one handy, I'll, I'll give you a reading from that. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness. No neutral alignments. There is no such thing as an absolute or neutral alignment. An absolute, true neutral person cannot make a decision, fight crime, go venturing, kill, or take any kind of action without leaning towards good, evil, or self-gratification. It is humanly impossible and therefore eliminated in the context of this game. I realize that some philosophers out there may disagree with this, but that's a topic for a philosopher. 
philosophical debate and not a factor of this game. Sorry, no neutrals. This is one of the very few definitive unbending rules of this game. So while there may have been a few other factors that influenced my my thoughts around alignment, definitely Advanced Legend Dragons 1st Edition and Palladium, specifically that passage I just read you, were the were the main influences in how I look in alignment from when I was a small, like I say, preteen Jason. Um, well, maybe teen. Anyway, young Jason, because um, I'd have to do the math, and that's hard. But, um, you know, nowadays, yeah, I look at it differently. Nowadays, I've read Moorcock. I've read some of these other things, and I can pull the, you know, F. Paul Anderson, who's got a idea close to Moorcock. In fact, even Stephen King kind of has introduced that in Dark Tower series. But, you know, I hadn't read any of that as a kid. I just had these as my sources, and that's what I based, you know, my opinions on. So maybe that helps. I realize it's probably not helpful, so don't feel obligated to play these by any means. But if you can find a way to weave them into the web that is your show, then feel free, Dreamweaver. Feel free. Thanks for that, Jason. I don't really have anything to add there apart from a reading of my own, following a call on the same subject from Liren of Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. Hey, Spencer, it's Liren. I was just catching up and listening to your episode about alignment, and I know you've moved on from this, but, you know, it's funny whenever I hear people talk about that, I think to myself... You know, if you can look at things like that and not look at them in such an extreme, bombastic, dramatic manner, every day of our lives we're making little decisions about if we're going to be chaotic or if we're going to be good or if we're going to be evil or, you know, you know, or if we're going to be lawful. I mean, it's, it's the strangest thing to me how people will get in big arguments about it and think if a person is evil, they do this. And I'm just like... I often, I don't ever engage in those conversations and I often just walk away kind of smiling, thinking to myself, wow, like the world must be a very clearly defined place for you. And then I think about the fact that I wonder how much the age of the player matters. I wonder, you know, I know I can tell you that my son who's on the spectrum is very regimented about things like that. And like, if he does something that he feels is bad, he has a big problem with himself and has a hard time forgiving himself. So like, there's all of this little nuance that goes along with it that, you know, it just seems like any word you throw out there in a gaming setting where you're role playing, someone's going to have a problem with it and someone's going to want to fight, you know? So I don't know. I guess it's really about finding people of a somewhat like mind and just having fun together. At least that's how I like to look at it. All right, back to catching up. Thanks for that, Liren. Uh, You did get me thinking there, particularly when you were talking about people deciding whether to be lawful, chaotic, good, or evil. I mean, psychopaths aside, does anybody really decide? To be evil, I mean, surely, if if individuals act in ways that are perceived to be evil, do they not 
as far as they're concerned, are they not coming from some kind of position of righting a wrong or um, redressing a balance? Uh, if you know what I mean, uh, they're not just thinking, I want to be a bad person. They are acting on something that is in opposition to their own position, if that makes sense. Do people who commit seemingly evil acts consider themselves to be evil? Also, your thoughts about ageing and people being of like mind, it can be a factor, but it's one of many. Um, this got me thinking about something that I noticed when I was reading Epe and Sorcellieri, which is um, basically French for swords and sorcery. And it's a, it's a version of original D&D written by Nicolas Dassault that incorporates a lot more of the chainmail rules, the uh, wargaming rules that Gary Gygax wrote before creating D&D. This combining of chainmail with D&D is something that I've heard Jason speaking about recently. It's also been the focus of the Bandits Keep podcast by Daniel Norton, who also has a very interesting YouTube channel that's well worth checking out. But what was interesting about Epe and Sorcellery is how he describes alignment. And this is just the three-point alignment, lawful, chaotic, neutral. And I'm just going to read that out for you. Alignment. The term alignment is used in role-playing games to represent the moral stance chosen by the player for his character. It is up to the GM to decide if he wishes to use this system or not, depending on the style of his campaign. He is free to choose his own philosophies, morals and religions for his campaign. The suggestions presented here are just one example of a simple and easy system. The principal axis of division is that between law, neutrality and chaos. These divisions have nothing to do with good and evil and must be adapted according to the style of the campaign chosen by the GM. Alignments are not only moral rules, but above all cosmic forces that govern the stability and movement of the universe. They cannot be identified directly with the good and the evil. Basically, it is a matter of defining the camp chosen by the characters and the creatures which they meet, rather than a way of defining their personality by a simple classification. Law can represent an absolute dictatorship, an oppressive bureaucracy and meddling by a total order in which the unforeseen has no place, as much as by a feeling of justice and peace. Conversely, chaos can represent selfishness without scruples, 
dangerous unpredictability, orgiastic decadence, just as much as the spirit of freedom and equality. But generally, law represents stability, even immobility, just as chaos represents change, both as a renewal and destruction. Each GM must choose the meaning he gives to these terms or simply not use them. A very distinct axis of good and evil will function just as well as will the absence of alignment altogether in a world where the adventurers are plunderers without shame or ruthless mercenaries without a cause. In the literature of sword and sorcery, the opposition of barbarian and civilization is another variant alignment system that can easily be used in a role-playing game. Law. Law represents order, justice and stability. The followers believe that the social order is guaranteed only by strict obedience to the laws and existing authorities. They prefer written laws, clearly established, applied strictly but fairly. They are wary of change, innovation and all that deviates from the norm of existing customs. They consider the authority and the law are the best safeguards for the welfare and preservation of society and that authority has all power in any matter to solve the problems. To them, law is the only good because it guarantees justice for all and the preservation of society. Chaos. Chaos represents change, innovation and individuality. Its supporters believe that the individual takes precedence over the group, that the realisation of their own happiness takes precedence over any other consideration, and often that their own happiness takes precedence over every other moral point of view. They prefer that every situation is examined according to the circumstances and the people involved, rather than according to a strict standard. They rely on individual initiative more than anything else to resolve important matters. For them, chaos is the only good because it guarantees the happiness of every individual. Neutrality. Neutrality is a philosophy which tends to regard law and chaos as two opposing poles of the same reality, which must be kept in perpetual balance. Its partisans believe that each person must moderate himself, his desires and his needs in order to respect the rights and freedoms of others. For them, neutrality is the only good because it reconciles law and chaos and moderates their mutual excesses. Neutrality also corresponds to nature and its five elements which compose the world air, water, lightning, fire and earth. So there's something very interesting going on there that seems to be a decidedly political slant to those descriptions, lawfulness equating to a more conservative view that there are certain standards that need to be adhered to, chaos 
being much more of a progressive stance concerned with innovation and change and neutrality being about maintaining equilibrium being aware of these forces and that they're both necessary and there's an interesting kind of removal of moral judgment there in those descriptions which I found particularly interesting there's something quite pleasing about that to me and I realize many of you may think that <laughs> that's nonsense but I found it interesting it got me thinking about my you know my living situation I share a household with people that um, have very different political views to myself and uh, I might think that they're blinkered or misguided but they're not evil they're just people who believe in a different way to approaching the problems that we face and that's all it is really anyway that's enough about alignment for now I want to talk a bit about osseous and along with that great call from Barney at the beginning of the show, there was something else that I've been hearing about recently that caused me to go back and have another look at Osseus, my rules like 2D6 system. So, free creech bill, the free creech bill revolution. Um, I can't say I'm a fan of the name, just because it doesn't really communicate anything to anybody who's not kind of in the know. Um, in some ways, I can sort of see the thinking behind that because it sort of intrigued me. And led me down the path of finding out what the term Kriegspiel means and where it comes from. So it kind of served its purpose in that sense. But the whole free Kriegspiel revolution does seem somewhat pretentious. However, if you get past that, it strikes me as a natural progression from what was happening this time last year with folks looking into the origins of the game and how Dave Arneson played back in the day. For me, what I find interesting about it is the fascination with the origins of the game. And um, I've got to say, I've read some really interesting articles around the idea. And it's very much about stripping back rules, going back to a more free-form style of play. And the absence of player-facing rules, or at least keeping that sort of stuff to a minimum, which I find very interesting. Certainly an interesting feature of something like Into the Odd, where the game is designed in such a way that players don't even really need to know rules. Certainly they don't need to have had read anything before they can begin play and anything they need to know can be picked up almost immediately. But 
As for the term Kriegspiel itself, literally translates as war game. And more generally speaking, the term has been applied to a variety of war game rules in the past. It's also been applied to a variation on the rules of chess, where players play on two separate boards, turning it into kind of a battleships game. You can't see where your opponent's pieces are, and there is an adjudicator overseeing both boards. And that principle was employed in the game of Kriegspiel, more specifically a game that was used back in the 1800s to train the Prussian army. These are wargaming rules that date back to 1812 and they were the product of a father and son. Uh, I believe the son refined the rules and then this was seen as a tool for training soldiers in the art of tactical combat. Boxes of the game were created and sent out to officers and soldiers would separate into two teams, so it was very much a team game, and each side would be playing in different rooms using the same map, using the same landscape, and the officers would referee the sessions. So that's literally where it comes from. That is what this, I don't know, movement, if you want to call it that, is harking back to. That's what it's referring to in the name Free Kriegspiel. And as far as I can make out, this is just sort of an umbrella term that would include games influenced by sort of pre-D&D stuff, what Dave Arneson was doing, um, Gary Gygax's Chainmail, David Wesley's Braunstein, and it's not so much about rules, it's more about the absence of rules and how lighter rules allow for greater possibilities, essentially. And that's basically as close to a definition as I can get um, for a few games that are considered to fall under that umbrella. Diceless Dungeons by Robin and James George. Uh, Norbert Matausch's Landshark Rules which themselves developed out of Norbert getting involved with Dave Arneson month last year. And I think Osseus would probably qualify. And in looking into this has caused me to return to Osseus and perhaps address some of the things I wasn't entirely happy with. Um, the result of the parameters I put in place when designing the game. I feel maybe I could uh, go back and iron out those little things that I wasn't too happy with. I've read some interesting articles by uh, Wizard Lizard on his Underground Adventures blog. So yeah, I, despite my dislike of the idea that this is yet another splinter group of the OSR, which I don't really feel it is, there are interesting things coming out of it. It does seem strange that the name Kriegspiel is what's being used. I mean, why not Abenteuerspiel? Adventure game. That would make more sense to me, even though I don't speak German. 
But you get what I mean. What about Wunderspiel? That doesn't really need any translation at all, does it? Hold up. Oh, a little additional information that I came across for those of you that may be shouting at your device right now goes a long way to explaining why this term free Kriegspiel is being used. Essentially, over the years, Kriegspiel developed, more rules were created for it, it became more codified, and free Kriegspiel was a movement away from that to create a more free-form, rules-like approach, allowing more fiat. And as I understand it, this allowed the game to go beyond just straightforward wargaming. And it was a version of Free Kriegspiel that was played by a certain individual named Dave Arneson. So there's a direct link to the development of D&D. Anyway, what have we got next? Hey there, Spencer. It's John here. I'm just listening to your episode 150 when you were talking about the pronunciation of hyperbole and uh, Dave Aldridge has called in. And I was going to say, don't worry about it, dude. Even though I know it's pronounced hyperbole, occasionally I'll slip into saying hyperbole as well. Although, on a not entirely connected matter, how much does hyperbole sound like it'd be an amazing sport in either a cyberpunk or some sort of science fiction setting? Anyway, just wanted to call in to say that I am enjoying the episode, dude. I'm going to get back to listening to it now. Take care, stay safe, and I'll catch you soon. John Allen Large there from Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast. And uh, thanks very much for your call, mate. Not a lot to add there, but I do like the sound of some kind of cyberpunk, blood bowl, rollerball, Tron mashup. Could be a lot of fun. Hey, Spencer, Jason here. Just want to say I've downloaded the newest edition of Osseus, although you've added another hard-to-pronounce word in there because you don't like Americans. And um, it's pretty good. I, you know, I, I see there's no character sheet on there now, which is fine. I, I don't remember if your last one had a character sheet. I know once upon a time it did. There's discussion whether it be on the back page or not. The other thing, though, I noticed was you haven't fixed the ranged combat dilemma what to do if one one side or the other does not have a ranged weapon i see that's not addressed in the rules tisk tisk my friend tisk tisk also since you put up in the, in a play test area of a discord when are we play testing when are the sessions how do i sign up inquiring minds want to know thank you jason yes i did go back and have another bash at osseus no real drastic changes. Basically, while well, the old Osseus is still there, the new version, Ossia Pura, is... Um, I felt that there were some things that kind of implied a setting. And a couple of points where I'd created a rule for specific instances which had no real business being there because... They could quite easily be covered by the the general core rules. Now, as for a character sheet, yes, I dropped that 
pretty early on within the first couple of iterations of the original Osseus. But um, I did address the ranged weapon rules. And that was one of the things that I was never really happy with. Basically, I had the health points represent physical and mental resilience. Only the players rolled dice. And damage was determined by how much the roll succeeded the target number. If the roll fell short of the target number, then the character would take damage. I'd kind of rationalised the fact that if you were firing a ranged weapon at somebody and you missed your target, just the stress of doing that was enough to cause you enough mental anguish that your health would be reduced. I didn't like that. I've never liked that. It was a solution that I was never happy with. But I did address it. In the new rules, you'll notice that I have not stipulated that division of health points between mental and physical resilience. I've just called it resilience. And noted that loss of health doesn't necessarily reflect a physical injury. And I've simply added the caveat that if a character is not in any immediate danger, then they will not lose any health by missing their target. And covered in the referee section, if the characters themselves are fired on by ranged weapons, they have to roll against the most appropriate stat to avoid being hit. And I think that covers it. So it is there. I have addressed it. Maybe it's not to your liking, but this is why I guess it needs to be play tested to see whether that is a satisfactory solution. And putting it up in the playtest section was to suggest that anybody could playtest it. Doesn't necessarily have to be me. Although I may well end up doing that because there certainly seems to be enough interest in me doing that. So let's see, shall we? But thanks for your call, Jason. And thanks for downloading it. I will put a link in the description to the new version, Ossia Pura, on itch.io. Um, but it's no, it's no real departure from the original version of the rules, only in the handling of ranged attacks and the simple removal of the implied fantasy setting of the original version. Well, that's about enough from me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. 
There's a Facebook page for Keep Off The Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.